don't even cover their shins, and they have no food at all. Only dust fills their jars. In the warm houses, what do they know of winter? The flowery rooms have a springtime of their own. Those dandies with their fancy pants of silk. There's not much you can say to them about the poor. On the web at english.rti.org.tw. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? Ask almost anyone from Taiwan to make a list of the best tourist attractions here, and Sun Moon Lake will come near the top of the list almost every time. Up close, in good weather, the lake turns shades of blue so beautiful it seems like there must be some cheating going on. Maybe some digital enhancement. There's fresh air, beautiful hills, plenty of recreation, and a local culture not found anywhere else, not even in Taiwan. If there's magic in this world, you can probably find it somewhere around Sun Moon Lake. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to Sun Moon Lake. The lake's Chinese tourism website has a section devoted just to local ferns. Sorry to all you fern fans out there, but we'll need to be a bit more focused to get through everything. To keep us on the right track, I've brought in some help. Lin Ingchun of the Sun Moon Lake National Scenic Area. Over the next two weeks, with her expertise, we're going to see a little bit of everything—the lake itself, its people, and its famous sites, past and present. If you were to point at the middle of Taiwan on a map, you'd probably be pointing somewhere around Sun Moon Lake. The lake sits at a bit over 700 meters in altitude, not too far from Taiwan's geographic center. Around it are the western foothills of Taiwan's Great Central Mountains. The lake is sizable. At around eight square kilometers, it can comfortably fit a whole lot of boats. The lake goes down a long way too, 27 meters. Sun Moon Lake gets its unusual name from its shape when viewed from above. Like an inkblot test, it looks to some like a round sun and a crescent moon conjoined. The lakeshore is the home of the Thao people. To them, the lake is known as Zintun. The Thao number around 600, making them one of Taiwan's smaller indigenous groups. Their legends say they discovered the lake during a hunt. Their hunters were out chasing a white deer, which kept managing to outrun them, or at least until it reached the lake shore. Backed up against the lake and with nowhere else to run, the white deer jumped in, transforming as it did into a fairy. 
When night fell and the hunting party had gone to sleep, this spirit sent a dream to one of the elders in the company. The spirit said that this was an abundant land, where the hunters could bring their families and settle down in peace. Another hunt nearby proved successful, and in the lake itself, the hunters discovered rich stocks of fish. Eventually, they did bring their families and settled down by the lake. In the middle of Sun Moon Lake is an island the Thao call Lalu. This is a sacred place for them, the place where their ancestral spirits have moved on to. In 1978, the local county government built a shrine to the god of love on the island. Couples on their honeymoon might stop by, and there were even mass weddings held on the site. But in 1999, a massive earthquake destroyed the shrine, and it's since been rededicated elsewhere. Out of respect for the Thao, the island's Chinese name has been scrapped in favor of Lalu. And with the exception of some trees and a statue of the legendary white deer, the island's mostly gotten back to its natural state. Today, the island is off-limits to outsiders, and that includes most Thao people. Ms. Lin tells me that the only people allowed on the island are members of a special class of trained female ritualists called Sanshima, and even they only go on the island for special ceremonies. Lalu may be off-limits, but there are a few places around the lake where you can see Thao culture in action. One spot is a cultural space near the lake, where dances are performed that blend contemporary elements with traditional Thao culture. Many of these dances have seasonal themes. If you visit Sun Moon Lake on the last day of the seventh lunar month, usually sometime in August, you can also see something special. Thao people gather to perform one of their most distinctive kinds of music. They take large wooden pestles of different sizes and thicknesses and pound them in a sequence against stones on the ground. Each pestle has a different pitch, and together they strike out interesting rhythmic patterns. Since each person can only hold one pestle, there's a lot of coordination involved. This music serves as a prelude to an annual harvest festival. Thao culture is also on display in a special exhibition hall. There you can see items like traditional clothing and another important piece of Thao culture, the ancestral basket. These are containers filled with important items, such as the ancestors' clothing. In the 19th century, large numbers of ethnic Chinese migrants entered Thao lands. And in 1895, Japan took control over Taiwan, bringing Japanese interest in the area too. Taiwan's new rulers put the lake to work. The land off to one side of the lake is much higher than the land on the other side, and that difference made the area suitable for hydropower. The nearby area is still producing hydropower today. Getting the first power plants up and running was a huge undertaking. A railroad was built to bring in construction material, a local river was surveyed, people were relocated, workers were hired, and malaria prevention work was done. They also had to make a water channel. Partway through, work had to stop for years due to funding problems. 
But in the 1930s, years after the idea first emerged, the Sun Moon Lake area had several hydro plants. Then, as now, the power produced at Sun Moon Lake, in Taiwan's heart, was sent to other parts of the island through networks of vein-like power lines. After World War II, Japanese rule on Taiwan ended. A few years later, the new Republic of China government moved wholesale to Taiwan, pushed off mainland China during the Chinese Civil War. The head of the new government, Chiang Kai-shek, fell in love with Sun Moon Lake. He stayed and entertained dignitaries there in a stylish Japanese-era villa. During his early days in Taiwan, in 1949, the outlying islands protecting Taiwan were still under threat. Once, as battles were still raging, Cheng came to Sun Moon Lake and was welcomed with a performance of traditional Thao pestle music. The leader of the performers, Mao Xinxiao, impressed Cheng. Cheng arranged for Mao Xinxiao and some others to fly out to some frontline islands, boosting troops' morale with their music. The tour was a success, and from then on, Mao was in the good graces of officials. He worked hard to win better living conditions for the Thao people, using his connections when needed. He also founded a dance group, a culture museum, and other facilities for visitors to Sun Moon Lake. This was in some ways a precursor to the shows and culture spaces you see at the lake today. We still have a lot of ground to cover. How did Sun Moon Lake become closely linked with tea from Assam in India? What's a president fish? And why did local people decide to name it that way? Join us again next week when Ms. Lin returns for a look at the lake's famous products. We'll see what people do when they come visit the lake, including taking the annual plunge. And we'll also hear about the ever-changing lists people like to make of the lake's top eight sites. In the meantime, if you'd like to take a look at some amazing views of this lake, be sure to check out the website of the Sun Moon Lake National Scenic Area. You can find it at www.sunmoonlake.gov.tw forward slash English. That's www.sunmoonlake, all one word, .gov.tw forward slash English. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Listen! Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Lights, camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia, a show where we look at Asian cinema and learn about the history and culture in which the fictional world on screen is rooted. We began this new journey last week by looking at Dust of Angels, the movie widely credited for launching the gangster film genre in Taiwanese cinema. 
Since the release of that film in 1992, the genre grew quite rapidly, and it garnered the attention of not just the audience, but filmmakers from other genres as well, who infused new elements and styles to keep it fresh, while exploring the themes of violence, confrontation, confusion, growing pain, and romance. And these are the themes that are explored in the movie that we'll look at today. My name is Zhou Yiwen. Good words. In the 17th century, I went to the manga because I went to the dead dog. This is the opening of manga, a gangster film released in 2010. What we just heard is Mosquito, the film's protagonist, who said at the age of 16. Because of a dispute over a chicken leg drum, he joined a local gang. Now the film's plot revolves around Mosquito. He's a student who just transferred to Shulin High School in Taipei City. This is a poorly managed third-grade school, where many students, uh, well, let's just say, have little respect for their teachers and spend their days on extracurricular activities, as in fighting and chasing after girls. Mosquito is a quiet boy, and he doesn't start off as a troublemaker. Things aren't easy for teenage boys, though. He gets into a fight on his first day, literally because he refuses to let a bully take his chicken drumstick. A rival gang sees him fight, admires his guts, and brought him in. We follow Mosquito's journey throughout the film and sees him getting into fights, cracking jokes with his buddies. Falling in love with a prostitute, and eventually getting torn between a deadly brawl among his own gang members due to the hatred that they inherited from an older generation. The ending, without spoiling any specifics, is heartbreaking. It is a classic case of youthful vigor snuffed by adult conflict. Of wishful thinking confronted by the harshness of reality. In the very last scene of the movie, the director uses flashback to take us, the audience, back to shortly after Mosquito joined the gang, and he asked the rest of the group, "Why are you guys bringing me in?" The answer he got was a simple sentence that brags about the importance of being in a group and forming a powerful gang. But I don't think this gong hole answer is what he seeks. And Mosquito clearly goes through most of the film confused, without much purpose. Whereas the main leaders of the gang got involved because their fathers are gangsters. Mosquito, on the other hand, almost never has a dog in a fight, and he's always pulled into violence by others. He is a fatherless boy, who. By his own admission, avoided troubles most of his life, despite being bullied quite often. When he punches people at the very beginning, he's visibly shaking, which shows that he's heavily conflicted and is not accustomed to inflicting violence on others. Even during fights, he would ask fellow gang members, "As in, what is the point of fighting all day long?" And his body responded in haste. Which roughly translates to, "What the heck with having a point? All I care about is brotherhood." That answer, I believe, points to the core theme of the movie. For boys like Mosquitoes and many others like him in the film, they grow up without much parental guidance. 
They're constantly on the move from place to place and from school to school, and they can't really find a sense of being accepted. Joining the gang makes Mosquito feel welcomed and part of a bigger family for the first time. But like the rest of the group, they really are just boys, and they are powerless when they get involved in conflicts among adults. Compared to last week's film, Manga is a much more polished production. The reason that it really stands out and resonates with a younger generation, I believe, is that underneath the disguise of a gangster film, it is actually a film about adolescence confusion and the pain of growing up. Clearly, not every member of the audience is or will be a gangster. But they can all relate to the sense of isolation and the warmth of being accepted, and at a certain stage of their life, to grow up with a lot of confusion. Thank you so much for listening to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week. Yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan. Holy cow! Can you believe how quickly the year has gone by? I can't believe it. It yeah. is time once again for our big review. Review, which we call the buffet. Wow, a buffet. This buffet. So well, this is a good time to have the best dishes of the restaurant. Yes,、okay. absolutely. Some big moments, some happy moments,、right. some emotional moments,、wow. some delicious. Moments, Whoa, some, some poopy moments, some disgusting moments,、okay. <laughs> and some very silly moments,、yes. all packed silly into moments, mostly,、okay. this buffet. Okay, so grab a plate、mm-hmm. and let's get started. All right, stand in line. Yep, everybody, good to go. You got、good. your silverware,、yes. chopsticks, got everything. All right, let's dig in. Okay, so starting off, you know, one of my favorite things to do on Feast Meets West is teasing Andrew. So <clears> I was <throat> happy to discover that our winter intern, our winter. Was my perfect ally. Yes, you know I could tell that Kirthi Sridharan meant business when this exchange happened just minutes into her first appearance on January twentieth. Are you guys nervous about the fact that I'm going to be feeding you breakfast later at today's show? Oh wow. Oh okay. <laughs> I have my stomach. It's going to be an adventure. Yes. Yeah. It is every you know every dish is an adventure. Do we get spit buckets? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kirsty! So, wow. So far, I've been working、so、with、trust. this guy, you know, for seventeen years. And how many times have you needed a spit bucket? Be honest now. There's a difference between how、Zero. many times have you needed one and how many times have you used it. Oh. <laughs> oh wow! If it was available. Yeah. Shade. No, I trust you. you. I trust you. Kirsty created a series for our show called "Give It a Chai." Like chai is、mm-hmm. in milk tea, in which she talked to Indian restaurateurs in Taipei. We discovered that not only does she have a great sense of humor, she's got a whole lot of heart.、Mm-hmm. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these interviews as much as I did recording them, and you know, eating a bunch of delicious food along the way. My parents grew up learning to cook from their parents, who learned from theirs, who learned from theirs. Cooking is in our blood, 
So much so that my mother doesn't even use measurements in her recipes. No one has for years. I still don't know how to cook, unless you count microwave mug cakes and valiant attempts at Jamie Oliver breakfasts. So the whole generational tradition of passing food down to our loved ones is a little daunting, to say the least. But thanks to a lifetime of growing up in my mother's kitchen, eating at Indian places all over the world, and in part, conducting this series, I now know what really matters. Indian food, no matter where you are in the world, is not about spice or salt or oil, though those things definitely matter. It's like any other food that you grew up with, any other flavor that you can feel in your bones. It's about balance and harmony, and as cliche as it sounds, love. All the chefs I've spoken with consider Taipei to be home. They're making the food they grew up eating for people who have never tasted it before. And yet, the people of Taipei still find comfort and joy in what's on their plates. Maybe home doesn't have to be a place. Maybe home is just what makes you feel safe and warm and loved. A plate of rice, a bowl of soup, or a cup of chai. For Give It a Chai, I'm Kirthu Shidharan. One of the most memorable stories we cover on The Feast this year was about an escape. My college classmate, Nan McDonald, recounted the story of how her family left Vietnam in the early 1980s as refugees, and how what was supposed to be a three-day trip to Malaysia turned into a harrowing 13-day odyssey in choppy waters with little to eat. The ending in particular is what got me. Finally, we ran into a um, Filipino ship that was carrying students who were surveying the ocean bottom. And they gave us food, and they gave us water, and sent a tugboat to lead us into the island of Padawan. Mm. And so I remember, you know, getting off of the boat, and I just remember, like, I, I just remember that when we were out in the ocean, the sea was this very ominous type of entity. And then I remember when we were walking onto the land, and like the beach and just kind of like we, we um, it was like I remember looking down and it was about knee height and thinking it was the mu- most beautiful water I'd ever seen wow wow so, I'm not very fond of the ocean <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that story inspired Andrew to go into the Feast Meets West test kitchen and attempt to recreate a beloved egg roll recipe that Nong's mother brought with her from Vietnam to America you know, I worried a lot about it, though, because I wanted to honor the recipe, but I couldn't find the exact ingredients that I needed. You know I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. We pick up the story with Ellen taking a bite out of an egg roll. Okay. I think it's good. Mm, it's mm-hmm. good. That little waver in your voice made it sound like... No, I like it. I'm happy. You're too harsh on yourself. <laughs> Mama Nguyen will be very proud, okay? <laughs> mm. Mm. Wow. I have to say, if I ordered it in a restaurant, mm. I would come back for it. Would you? Uh-huh. Oh, good. Thanks, Ellen Chu. It's mm-hmm. definitely crispy on the outside. When it first came out of the boiler, mm-hmm. like at 3 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. this morning, uh-huh. <laughs> they were very, very good. Okay. But then I, you know, to bring them in, I had to freeze them mm-hmm. and then reheat them in the oven. That's so fine. I think they're they're not bad the second time, but the first time, fresh out of the deep fryer, mm-hmm. holy cow. 
There's so many things in there. Do you know all the things that are in there? Pork, jicama, salt, pepper, garlic, carrots, cabbage, black ear fungus, tree mm-hmm. fungus. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, and also cellophane noodles. Oh, Dongfen. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me for this, Alan Chu. I appreciate you being so open-minded and open-hearted. I like it. I'm like saying my honest feelings, okay? I'm Mm -hmm. not just saying because you're my friend, and (laughs) Ryan, okay? Ellen, you're the best co-host a guy could ever ask for. <laughs> That's the word I'm waiting for. I'll okay? pay you later. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, you can get it into my account. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Direct transfer. Right. Okay. <laughs> Andrew makes a lot of food for our show each year, and every year there are hits and misses. And, as you will now hear, there are hits that turn out to really be misses. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, dig in. Mmm. Yummy. Mmm. Mmm. It has a little vinaigrette, right? Mm-hmm. Has roasted sesame sauce. Okay. Japanese style. Yeah. There's a little bit of yogurt in there. Mm-hmm. Apple. Apple. Uh-huh. Yeah. So chicken salad. This is yummy. And then the chicken. I would I would say that this is a salad of chicken. But with a twist. <laughs> Look at him, like indulging himself into, like, you know, naming this chicken salad with a twist. No, you missed the key oh, point. Oh, what? Salad of chicken. Okay. But with a twist. With a twist. Okay. <laughs> but I would have to say it's good. Do you know what kind of chicken it is? Um, it has a different... Chicken butt with a twist. twist. What is it? It's chicken butt. (laughs) I knew it because it's kind of like with fatty in there. Right? You know... I only served you up a teeny tiny piece of chicken. It's not all butt. I have to tell you that. It also has chicken leg in it. Okay. Yes. I don't like to eat butt. <laughs> okay. Look but at it that. tastes good, right? It is okay. I have to say the, the sauce uh-huh. and the thing. But, you know, for me, I like dried chicken better. You like dried chicken? I you like, like chicken, chicken breast. breast. So, for me, if you ask me if I want another one, no. But I love the sauce. It has a little bit of spice, herbs in there. Mm-hmm. And I love the almond. Mm-hmm. Giving it a kick. But not the butt. No. <laughs> Okay? Not the best. You're not angry at me, are you? No, I'm not angry at you. It's delicious, though, right? Does it taste nice, right? I like the... <laughs> Everything the but the dressing, butt. right. Because <laughs> like, like I said, I don't like fat. Right. It, it actually wasn't as fatty or gristly as I thought it would okay. be. Okay. And I actually tried a whole piece of it a first. Okay. I, I figured if I'm going to serve this to Alan Chu, you I have to eat it You the clean, first. right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> One of my prouder moments this year was creating something that even Ellen's kids liked. Mm. Vienna, how is it? It's so good. Come over here and say it into the microphone. Come here. Come here. Tell everybody in the whole wide world. How does it taste? It tastes the best. The best. The best. Did okay. you hear that, everybody? The best. That, mm. that sounds like a rave review. Mm. How is it, Ellen Chu? I made mango ice at home. Mm-hmm. 
Yours tastes better. Does Why? it? How do you make it? What do you put into it? I blend my mango in my blender. Uh-huh. I add water and ice in there. And then I put it in the freezer. How much water do you put in there? A little bit. It's very minimal. I put, um, so it's mm-hmm. two to one mango to water. Okay. So you need it to be crispier, right? Oh, okay. And then if you want to kick up the flavor, you put in half a lemon. Mmm, I took the lemon. Mm-hmm. You don't taste the lemon, but it, it brings out the mango it flavor. It brings out the mango flavor. Yes. Oh, Ellen, this isn't bad, is it? This is good, and it's healthy. There's no sugar in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get, like, a mango headache. What's Best that? thing in her life. Wait, come over here and say it into the microphone. Okay. Say it again, say it again. This is after she had, like, a few bites of it. What Maybe is it? Best thing in my life. <laughs> oh. Oh, that is... I'm going to save that. I'm so sad. It's the best thing in her life. Nonsense. Oh. Best thing is mom and then mango ice. Hmm. Okay. Mm. I actually did some pretty unusual things in the test kitchen this year. Like, I made 17 pink donuts for Ellen for our 17th anniversary on air. One of my personal favorites, though, was a salad made from grilled Taiwanese peaches, feta, pistachios, and mint. But I gave gold stars this year to a very unexpected and simple dessert. This is unusual. Super unusual, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So when you take a bite, you need to make sure you get a little bit of everything, right? A little bit of each of those. This is good. Isn't it good? Wow, this is way better than I expected, Alan Chu. This is like amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. Mmm. 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 Oh, silence on the air. It never works well, but <laughs> we're kind of busy over here. <laughs> Yo, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We just give you the recipe, man. Mm-hmm. And you go home and try yourself. And you know why we're silent. Yes. Yeah. So frozen yogurt, you want plain. Little bits of pomelo. Uh-huh. I say go go in with the pomelo big time. Mm-hmm. Salt, chili pepper flakes, brown sugar, and toasted coconut flakes. Mm. That's one of the best desserts we've done. I think so, too. <laughs> Andrew Ryan, mm. you just... Hit another pinnacle. Did I hit another pinnacle? Yeah. This is another pinnacle in your life. Okay? I, feel, I feel bad that this is one of the easiest things that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't you, anything too difficult. Exactly. Like, you know. But you know, this is a lesson to teach us that it sounds simple, <sighs> but maybe that's the best thing. Life should be just simple. Simple. Pare it down to right. the simple things. Mm-hmm. And when you cover all your bases, because you've got sweet, you've got sour, you've got salty. Exactly. You've got spicy. And you've even got a little bit of bitter with the mm. pomelo. Yeah. You've got cold. We need to have something hot in there. We have the, the flakes toasted. We're hot. We're hot, Ellen We're Chu. hot, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got the hot all the way. One of the most embarrassing moments in my 20 years on air came in October. It wasn't a major test kitchen fail. Nope. I was doing something much worse. Digging through my refrigerator. The Taiwan People's Food Bank Association has these facts for your consideration. Approximately 2.75 million tons of food is wasted in Taiwan every year. Yet more than 350,000 people are below the poverty line, suffering from hunger. That wasted food is enough to feed the population in hunger for 20 years. But you know what? Taiwan is not alone. 
foodrescue.net in the U.S. says that 40% of all food is thrown away. And the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization says that the total amount of edible wasted food every year is 1.3 billion tons. And where does that wastefulness start? Apparently, inside my kitchen, and probably in yours, too. smells nice and ripe. It's a nice nuclear orange color. It's so thick in there I don't think it's going to come out. I need a hazmat suit for this one. So what's my excuse? Well I don't cook very often so I forget what's in my fridge. But at the end of the day that's no excuse. I think the most important takeaway is I'm standing here in my kitchen cleaning out my refrigerator <clears throat> of all these uh, age-old condiments is not really conveying the disgusting sights of different old food items mingling together or describing the putrid smells that are wafting up from this plastic bag of waste. No, the most important thing is to express to you how I feel doing this because it feels so incredibly wasteful. I'm going to make a greater effort to eat all of the things that come through my house and to make sure that I waste as little as possible. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Man. How long did it take for you to finish that? Oh, uh, definitely a couple hours. Okay. And the amount of different like bottles and plastic containers. I think I'm going to go home and do that too. Let me know how it turns out for y'all in June. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. After nine years of talking about food in our show, we decided it was important to talk about the issue of hunger. Andrew went out on one of the coldest nights of the year with the Renan Homeless Social Welfare Foundation to help pass out hot porridge and hand warmers to people living on the street. This report was one of the most moving stories of the year on Feast Meets West. Some of the people are awake and they take the hot cans and hand warmers with two hands, murmuring their thanks. Others are fast asleep and we gently place the goods next to them so they'll find them when they wake. It's hard to sleep outside as it is, so we do our best not to disturb anyone who's getting some much needed rest. We round a corner and I'm shocked to discover that there are homeless people on three sides of this massive building. And I realized that there are all sorts of people, not just old men, but young men and women too. There's an electric wheelchair parked next to one sleeping person. Some have even laid their sandals next to cardboard beds. Some people are huddled in pairs. And one guy takes a can for his sleeping companion. And what really gets me is they look like people you might know. It could be the woman at the market down the street, the guy who lives upstairs in your building, or even a family member. I realize how many people must be just one missed payment away from living on the streets. A woman takes a can with a grateful look in her eyes. 
pot porridge may not sound like much, but it means the world if you're truly in need. I get this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach when I see that there's still a row of people that won't get anything tonight. It feels like we've barely cracked the surface, but even if you can only share a little warmth with one person on a cold night, what an enormous thing that is. Wow. You know, it's really hard to, to listen to that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I think we think that, you know, maybe world hunger is so far away from us, but, you know, at times I think, you know, just listening to this this footage, you know, that it's right next to us. You know, um, when you can put a face on a problem, it makes it that much clearer. And, you know, in our lives here in Taiwan, we never see homeless people. Like, we almost never come in contact with them. That's because they, I mean, they really look like people you would just encounter on the street. They don't look different. And a lot of them actually have jobs. Like, they, the reason why they're at the train station is because that's where they can get, like, they can get temporary work. So they're the people that are holding up signs in the streets. They're handing out like pamphlets. You know, it's like day-to-day work. And I didn't realize there were so many of them. It's just that, you know, I'm never at the train station at like one o'clock in the morning. Right. And when you go there and you're like, wow, holy cow, like they're, you know, when you when you're at the time when everybody is sleeping and you see that these people are out there sleeping on the street, then you realize that actually it's a problem. And it's not a Taiwanese problem. It's a Worldwide. global problem. Yes. It's a global problem. You know, I was really moved by that show and I actually ganged up a lot of like the international school moms to donate like food blankets and we did like a donation. Did you? We did. So actually Feast Meets West, it may be, it sounded like a lot of fun and games and a lot of like joking around, but actually it prompted us to do something this year you did something very special for a lot of people so actually i gather up like maybe 20 cases of you know food wow and a whole huge box of like blankets you know and we donate over there that's awesome they must have been really happy to receive that yeah i hope it helps i mean it's not a lot because i know there's many more out there but Mm. we hope that you know with the limited resource that we are able to have a little bit more people, you know, receiving these warmth in these cold nights. In the spirit of Thanksgiving this year, we decided to do it up for the November 24th episode of The Feast. We came up with the Taipei Thanksgiving Challenge, in which Alan gave me 90 minutes to travel around the city on my scooter and assemble all the fixings of a proper Thanksgiving meal. There was just one rule. He wasn't allowed to buy anything at a Western restaurant. So, how did he do? Actually, the added benefit of doing this show like this today is you get to see how I race around Taipei, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at uh, how we do our show. That's my scooter starting up there. So I'm going to turn this off for now. catch up with you once we get to the restaurant. It's about five minutes away. Okay, I'm stopped at a red light. I shouldn't be recording, but... Oh, I gotta go. 
算算算了的。OK， 谢谢。OK， so I also have a sauce. I was looking for gravy, but、um, this chicken actually comes with a Thai sauce, which she says was sour and spicy. I'm guessing probably a little sweet as well,、uh, and a little bit of saltiness from the soy sauce. So, what do we have left? Let me just look at our menu. Oh, I need potatoes! Holy cow, I need potatoes! Okay, so the main things are mashed potatoes and a drink, and if possible, stuffing. If not, we'll use the rice. Now I've just pulled up in front of a shop that、uh, has a huge sign that says. Roasted sweet potatoes, kaldigua. They cook them in this big barrel, and、uh, oh, they taste a wonderful. They're, they're just amazing. This is looks beautiful. It smells even more amazing. Nice and sweet and roasted has that kind of like charcoal smell to it. So this one's going to go into my hot bag. All right, let's fire up our scooter. One last stop. See if we can make it on time. In the end, I managed to find ten items in about ninety minutes: roast chicken, roselle flower sauce, pumpkin, stewed romaine lettuce, a sweet potato, corn chowder, stir-fried beans, rice in place of stuffing, a mini pecan pie, and a Japanese pomelo sparkling juice. But the important question is, what did Ellen think? Wow, I wouldn't say it would be exactly like Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think I would accept this as a Thanksgiving Day meal. So if you came to my house in Taiwan and I like served up the same things, you'd be like, "That's kind of okay." It's perfect. Oh, Ellen Chu.、Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm like feeling a little bit verklempt. Really? <laughs> and the pumpkin's good. We've never done like a proper Thanksgiving together with all the elements,、mm -hmm. and we managed to find a little bit of everything.、Mm -hmm. As with every year. 2018 saw a lot of funny moments in Feast Meets West. For example, this year, listeners learned why Andrew and I have such great chemistry on air. <laughs> and you just turn off my headphones. Well, because your headphones are too short, you need to come over, sit closer to me. Okay, sure. I don't smell Ellen Chu. I know you don't smell, but you know, keeping a distance is actually, you know, give you a visual clearness <laughs> and beauty of the other half. So you can sit back and just just observe. <laughs> I feel like my my lines are like tangling、oh. here. We're in very close quarters today. You guys can all imagine that. I'm sure it's very exciting for everyone involved. I know people are so envious of Andrew Ryan's, right? Yes, you know, so close, to so close to, to me. Oh my! Oh my goodness!、Really? It's like seriously, it's wrapped around my chest and my arms. People don't think that we're being serious, but I'm dead serious. Okay, he has his own line, but you know, my line is like going across his chest. Yes, I feel very restricted by this cord. <laughs> really? Do you? <laughs> no, it's okay. I can, I can. We can. We'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> Because. Today's show is called Super Women, so I will do whatever I can for Ellen Chu to、okay. accommodate, accommodate, and you know, allow me to become the superwoman for the day. I mean, I have to say that's kind of our brand, right? It's、mm -hmm. like Andrew Ryan accommodating Ellen Chu. That's what our whole show is about. <laughs> <laughs> do we give people this this clear picture of that? I don't think people know. I, I don't think, think people realize. I think、that. it's the best kept secret. You know, people <laughs> always, you know, tell us, write to us, and tell us that we have this really. 
good chemistry going on. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever they listen to our show, it, it's just like natural yeah, chemistry. They, they don't realize that I'm actually tied up in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> tied up to a chair. One of our shows this year involved a medicine called loquat leaf syrup, pipa gall. Ellen joked that we were going to be playing doctor on air, but I thought that perhaps we should offer a disclaimer before we got into any legal trouble. Anything that we say in today's program may or may not be real. Okay. <laughs> we should just put that in the front of every program we do. I think so, too. Yes. Because, you know, these are informations that we acquire, but, you know, they may change hmm. tomorrow. Take, a, take it with a grain of salt, not literal grain of salt, a figurative grain of salt. Okay, we're just making this whole thing like, you know... No, we're not making it up either. I mean, I mean we're scaring people. People are no. like, you know, I tried things that you guys said, and now you're telling me that there will no. be consequences? I will tell you, we are not talking about any medicine in our show that is over-the-counter. Oh, wait, no, that sounds bad. <laughs> <That's> bad. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is we are not featuring any, like, Western medicine or any brands of medicine. We are not promoting any medicines. However, we are talking about a very interesting Chinese remedy. Right. And this remedy has been written up by the New York Times? No, the Wall Street Journal. Okay. <laughs> then there was a time Andrew got my name wrong, <laughs> even though he has known me for more than 20 years. Sorry about that. And sometimes I wear a big bow on my head. Yeah. You know, it's like... You've got big roses on your shoes. I have Hello Kitty in my bag. Yeah. I'm a big fan, Helen Chu. Helen Chu. Helen Chu. <laughs> Helen Chu hasn't made an appearance in a while on our show. <laughs> Hello, Chu. Hello, Judy. Yeah. So, Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed this buffet of yes. delicious dishes. Maybe they're part of your memory, and maybe this is just the first time you heard it. Hopefully, you'll listen to more and be eating exactly. more of our delicious episodes next year. Yes, and Buffet and Buffet will be coming <laughs> along the way. I'm going to give you a new name, Phoebe Buffet. Yeah, <laughs> Bibi Buffet. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure as always, Alan Chu. I always enjoy our time together in the studio. Yes, we make many beautiful memories. I mean, good ones, bad ones, great ones, fun ones, angry ones, sad ones, you know. It's but just, a, a lot of laughter, too. I think so. Every show is, you know, about being happy. So if you receive warmth from our show, we hope you'll write to us and send us a letter and share your favorite moments from the past right. year. Right. So please write to us at P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. And write to us at A-N-D-R-O-O at R-T-I dot O-R-G dot T-W Right? I can't believe she still has trouble remembering. You know, we don't waste our, you know, storage center for things that we can read off. That is absolutely true. Right. Well, hopefully next year, in the 10th year of Peace Meets West, okay. in, the, in the 18th year of our working together on air, hopefully okay. you will remember I think, you know, addresses. I will definitely remember our addresses if they don't change it. <laughs> on the 20th year of me recording with you. That's Give me two great. more years, okay? Yes, whatever you want, Ellen All Chiu. right, thank you. For VCS, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.